0: Listen to SpursCast, episode 520. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of SpursCast. I'm going to be going solo for this episode, 520. Uh, My guest that I had lined up for today's episode, uh, the plans kind of fell a little short right at the end there, so um, I'll be going solo. It shouldn't be too long of an episode. I'm just going to get through three main topics, then uh, go ahead and call this, wrap up this episode. So, um, topic number one will be recapping the last four Spurs games since last week when I recorded with Colin Reed. Topic number two, we'll just kind of be going through it a, a, basically like a, a state of the Spurs kind of assessment, just kind of where they're at now through 25 games. Um, and then topic three, we'll just be previewing their, their next three um, home games that are upcoming. So let's go ahead and begin first with uh, recapping the last four games uh, since I last recorded. So on Friday, the Spurs um, hosted the Houston Rockets and they got blown out at home. Um, they lost by 31 points in that game, they fell behind by as many as 38 points. And this was a really bad loss because again it was at home uh the Rockets just constantly drained threes on them. I think they put up a, a season high, opponent season high in, in three point points represented by the three point line. It was 66 that Houston accounted for. And it was bad because it was on the um it was after the Spurs had just got blown out in Minnesota on the road, so it, so they had just got blown out by 30 plus points in one game against Minnesota actually by 40. Um and then they come back home on a Friday night a day off of, for rest and then they get blown out by Houston in their own building. Um, so that one was pretty quick. That was over pretty quickly. Um, the Rockets went up by 12. That was their first double-digit lead with 4:06 left in the first quarter, and from there it just spiraled and, and just went the wrong direction for San Antonio. So then the Spurs had Saturday off, and on Sunday uh, they were able to get a uh, a win against the Portland Trail Blazers in San Antonio. Uh, they won by 13. Was the final score. This was a closer game throughout. Um, it went back and forth. Both teams kind of took the lead, um, tied it. You know, went back and forth. Then in the fourth quarter, the Spurs did pull away. It looked like it was going to be a close game down, down going down to the wire, but with about eight minutes left, uh, the San Antonio was able to pull away and not have to go into crunch time, where they are a 500 team. So they were able to get a pretty comfortable win by 13 against Portland um, there on Sunday. Then on Tuesday, the Spurs uh, went on the road to Utah, who had been struggling in their own building. Utah had, didn't have a, a great home record, but on this night, on a Tuesday night, it didn't look like that. Uh, Utah just basically demolished the Spurs. Uh, San Antonio lost that game by 34 points. Utah took their first 10 point lead with 4.09 left in the first quarter. And again, it was pretty much over from there. Uh, they basically just um, ran the, the, the Spurs off the floor. Coach Pop pulled the starters really early in the third quarter, um, at, uh, almost like right at the beginning, kind of, um, just because the Spurs did have a back to back the next night in Los Angeles against the Lakers. So now let's get to that Wednesday game. Uh after they lost to Utah by by uh, by 34 points, the Spurs go to Los Angeles against the Lakers where they've had some success. They're 2 and 0 this year against the Lakers uh with LeBron James. Um and they actually played very well um for 3 quarters. So the Spurs end up losing this one on Wednesday in LA. By eight points only, it was close again. Like I mentioned, um, they went back and forth. In the second quarter specifically, the Spurs actually had a really good defensive quarter. They didn't put the Lakers on the free throw line, and they held the Lakers to 19 points. And, you know, holding an opposing team to less than 20 points in a quarter, something that the that the, the old Spurs, you know, the, the past years, used to do a lot because they had great defensive, you know, players and a, and a team concept with Kawhi, with Danny Green, with Kyle Anderson, you know, all these guys, Tim Duncan back in the day. So, so traditionally... The, uh, holding teams but below twenty was was like a, was like a, a hallmark of this team, but that hasn't been this case this season. It's it's actually rare when it happens, and, and on this night, on this Wednesday night, the Spurs actually were able to hold the Lakers to nineteen points in the second quarter. But basketball is not decided in the second quarter; it's decided in the fourth, and that is where the Spurs got demolished. Um, they they their defense was at its worst when it mattered most in the fourth. Um, the Lakers put up forty three points on the Spurs in on. The, in that quarter, LeBron uh, basically took over the game, and then the, the Lakers got a lot of their outside shots uh, to start falling. So just kind of some, some quick um, tracking of that game. Uh, it was close throughout, like I mentioned, back and forth. The Spurs um, were actually up by 8 in the fourth quarter, but then with 8.46 left, um, the Lakers basically outscored them 34-18, so by 16 points to end the game, and the Lakers got that 8-point win. Um, so yeah, so so in their last four games, the Spurs went 1-3, um, Not really what, what myself or Colin Reed predi- uh, predicted. We both... Colin got the Houston game right. He thought that the Rockets would beat the Spurs. I got that one wrong. I thought that the San Antonio would win, and that wasn't the case. Um, Colin also got the Portland game right. He, he says that he thought that Portland uh, would lose that game, and he was right. I was wrong. I thought the Spurs would lose that game. Uh, the Utah game... Um, I got wrong. I think I picked it. Well, actually, we both got wrong. We both picked the, the Spurs to beat the Jazz. We were going really off those those records from the Utah's home um, streak, and that didn't happen. We were both wrong. And then the Lakers game, we were both correct where the Lakers did get that game. So, again, we were looking at 2-2 two two for the Spurs to go, and they ended up doing worse. They went 1-3. So uh, those are kind of their last four games where where they're at right now. Let's go ahead and go through a quick um, kind of state of the Spurs, uh, just kind of going through some numbers and and what what I'm seeing right now and where where their projections projections show them going, should I say. So one stat I constantly keep going to is uh, when the Spurs fall behind initially by by 10 points. And that's an important stat this year um, early on because their record right now, when they fall behind by 10 points in a game, is 1-13. Again, 1-13 when they fall behind by 10 points. And and the bad thing is that it's happened in 56% of their games. So more than half their games this season, they've fallen behind by 10 points. And obviously the record shows that once they go down by 10, they have a very, very minimal chance of making a comeback. They may come back and take the lead, but just his, right now, from what the record's showing, it's just not happening where they actually get the W at the end of the night. The the one time they were able to come back um, in a game when they were down 10 was against the actual Lakers and their second game when it was in San Antonio, I believe. So again, right now, that 1-13 record is almost like automatic loss for San Antonio. So the minute you see on the scoreboard that the opposing team goes up by 10 on San Antonio, you can almost chalk that up to being a loss. Um, and obviously, lately, when, when they've gone down by 10, um, it's been blowouts when they lost to Minnesota, to Houston, and to, and to Utah um, and again, in that Lakers game where they lost on Wednesday, they almost won that again because it was a closer game. They never fell behind by ten. So that's something to watch: is that the Spurs are falling behind early and 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 pretty quickly from by ten points. And that's a stat to kind of keep an eye on. Another stat is uh, their double digit leads. They don't have that many this year. They're only um, leading by double digits in forty four percent of the games percent of their games so like less than half their games and they are nine and two so there's obviously more success when they they hold a 10 point lead and that was that case in that portland game where they did leave by by 12 and then by 16 later on so so they were able to um to get a a, a rare double not a rare but not not very common double digit lead against portland and obviously that that helps the spurs become more successful um just a kind of interesting stat for the for the history those of you that that like to, to learn about history a little bit is uh The Spurs are, um, right now they're 11-14 as their overall record through 25 games. Now, they haven't been three games below 500 since 2008. That's over 10 years ago. The last time it happened was way back on November 12th of 2008. That was the last time the Spurs um, fell behind by... um, three games under 500 and the cause for concern there is that we're now 25 games into the season back then, you know, it was, it was less than 10 games of a sample size. So I think it was two and five at the time when they fell. So, so like, you know, they weren't, even though the, they they did play bad one time, three games, but below 500, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't at this point of the season where it's almost Christmas time and they're still not getting their act together. They're still having trouble um, on on the different areas of the floor. Um, you know, what do the stats say? According to CleaningTheGlass.com, they, they are playing with the efficiency of a 29.3 win team. So again, a 29 win team right now. Uh, they'd obviously be, be projected to be 14th. Um, at the end of the year, in the standings, right below Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix is the only team that's that's below them, should I say? Offensively, they're still fine. The numbers say you know they're tenth offensively overall in, in their ranking, offensive rating, and then but then of course defensively, it's just been the, the, their 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 most troublesome area of of the floor, which is a you know twenty ninth uh, as, as I'm recording this podcast, at one point when they when they lost that uh, Utah game, they were actually thirtieth. So again, they kind of just hovered between all year between twenty fifth through about. 30th. They had one good stretch of about 7 games early on where they when they put Dante Cunningham in the starting lineup, but that has slowly slowly faded and obviously you've seen coach Pop tinker with different lineups um before he went back to Cunningham mostly cuz LeBron was on the on the team on the, I mean um the opponent, should I say? Uh in that Lakers game, coach Pop had been going to that Davis Bertans lineup where he had put Davis at the 4 next to Lamarcus at the 5. And you know, defensively those numbers weren't very good either but offensively they were a little bit they were a little bit better so i think that the thinking there was try to obviously uh, get as much points as you can on the scoreboard considering you're not going to get the defensive stops that you need so again their their defense has constantly been been their their main issue i mean they they have again they have a top 10 offense but if you can't you know if you can't hold anybody um and then you're you know a lot of your efficient offense comes from from the mid-range um, and free throw line, it's it's going to be really tough to to keep up with teams, especially uh, high high three point shooting teams, high volume should I say, like Utah, like a Houston, somebody like that. Um, so I have been uh, lately on Twitter. If you follow me on at Paul Garcia NBA, I've been putting two different lines after every Spurs game. Um, I have the draft optimist. I mean, the playoff optimist and the draft optimist. So I'll put a little line in there. So like, if you're the playoff optimist, you know, as bad as the Spurs have looked, they've lost by thirty plus points in three of their last six games there's still just two games from the eighth spot out West. So, so, you know, they're just, they're, they're still right there in that bubble along with, you know, with um Memphis, I mean, not Memphis, uh, along with like uh, uh, Utah's right there with them. Houston's right there with them. And so is a Sacramento as the night that I'm recording this, where those teams are kind of right on the bubble. They're not, they're not that far out of the playoff picture with the other eight teams out West. So one through 14, it, it's, it's, um you know, it's still a fight. It's really competitive. And when you even look at the first seed, the Spurs are only six and a half games away from being first overall out west I mean again it's it's less than ten games right now uh, that they're that they're behind in terms of first and then it's also um, less than five games in terms of being out of eight so so as 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 bad as it looks you know on the scoreboarding tonight, um, San Antonio because the West is so competitive and no one's actually running away with the conference. Um, you know, it's still right there for them to to be in that playoff picture. They're still basically like a bubble team. So, if you're the playoff optimist, again, that's something that you can look forward to. That San Antonio still has a chance at, as as of right now. Now, if you're not the playoff optimist and you're the opposite, you're the draft optimist. You're somebody who's been who's been wanting the team to tang to get his best of a draft pick that you, that they can get. Um, you know, there's there's a different there's also some different numbers that that paint those pictures um, as well. So, like one one thing is. Um, You know, I I like to look at I mean, actually, I never used to look at this website called Tankathon.com just because the Spurs have always been good. And, you know, I just didn't think that they would they would ever have anything but, you know, 20th to 30th picks, basically. But lately, especially when it happened last year with Kawhi out all year and and when when, when, you know, when it started becoming a question of whether or not the Spurs were even going to make the playoffs, I did start monitoring that website a, a little bit more. And so I've been visiting that a lot more often this year, especially with their projections as they're projected to win 29 games. Now on tankathon.com um, they're projected to land the 8th pick right now and um, basically their, their odds right now uh, it let's just say the season ended today they'd have a 23.5% chance at landing a top 4 pick in the lottery and they'd also uh, have a 5.3% chance at landing the number 1 pick so again you know on, on the one side you know if, if you're somebody who's who's rooting for a competitive season then obviously the losses aren't very good because they're not they're, they're getting further away from the playoff picture but if you're somebody who's uh, rooting for for um, you know that uh, a better draft pick, then the losses are almost a good thing because they're getting the Spurs. They're, they're increasing the Spurs' odds at landing either a top four pick. Um, you know the, the more that the losses keep stacking up. So again, there's the playoff optimist and there's the draft optimist. Um, some numbers I went through on CleaningTheGlass.com that I wanted to go through was um, you know I was just curious how bad are they defensively in their accuracy in opponent accuracy, um, the Spurs. And the numbers show they are bad. Uh, you know, overall, let's go through the, the three main areas of the floor where people score from, or where teams score from, should I say. Uh, the rim, your accuracy there, the mid-range, and the three-point line. So, uh, you know, at the rim, uh, in terms of opponent, opponent uh, field goal percentage at the rim, uh, on cleaning the glass, the Spurs are 22nd, so bottom 10. In mid-range percentage accuracy for opponents, the Spurs are 28th, bottom 10 again. And then in three-point percentage accuracy for opponents, the Spurs are 26. So again, those three key areas of the floor, the Spurs are in the bottom 10 uh, on defense in terms of, of of limiting the opponents. So that's obviously those aren't good things. So then, I was interested in seeing, you know, how, what do the splits look like at home and away? You know, in the AT&T Center where the Spurs have a better record, there there are more conf, confident, comfortable defense. Outside of that Houston game and that Orlando game. In that Indiana game from early on, uh, they have shown more success, like, like we saw against Portland uh, recently. So I wanted to see what do the numbers look like at home and, and away on the road. So that same rim uh, field goal percentage, they're they're actually better. They're 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 they 18th at home um, in terms of rim rim percentage for opponents' accuracy. In the mid range, they're still bad. They're 27. So teams, regardless if if, it's, if the game's um, on the road or it's in the AT and T Center, teams are making a lot of their mid range shots, which Philosophy wise, those are shots that you don't want to give the opponents. You want to give them the mid range. Now, here's the difference: the three point line is is different at home compared to on the road. Um, the Spurs are are basically like a league average um, uh, team defensively in terms of opponent three point percentage. Um, so, so again, they're they're ranked fifteenth, so they're about league average, and that that's helping them. You know, outside of that Houston game um, and maybe like that Indiana game, I can't think of a lot of games where teams just um, you know lit up the Spurs at home in the AT and T Center um, on specific nights. Now let's look at the road, which is where most of the Spurs' defensive woes come from. On the road uh, at the rim, teams are uh, the Spurs are ranked twenty-fifth, so again, really not not good. Almost thirtieth, mid-range twenty-eighth uh, in terms of opponent field goal percentage accuracy uh, from the mid-range, and then and then. On the three-point line, 25th. So, again, most of their issues, a lot of that on the three-point line in terms of opponent shooting percentage, that comes from the road where opponents are probably, again, more comfortable at home in their own building. Uh, they're carving up the Spurs' defense. Communication's been an issue whenever they go on the road a lot. Um, you know, that's something that the players have talked about. So so you see that a lot of their, their their worst defensive statistics do come on the road. Now, again, they're not perfect in the AT&T Center, but they do find some success there against against most teams right now as we're seeing. Um, some other further numbers on the home and road splits um, at home in the at and center. Like I mentioned, they're seven and four. They're playing with the, with the um, efficiency of a 37.9 win team at home. Um, they're 18th on offense at home in the ATT center and 21st on defense. So they're still a bottom 10 defense, whether they're on the road or at home, but at least, Hey, 21st is better than being 30 at their, or, you know, 29th what they are right now. Now on the road, it's a totally different story. They're 23. They're, they're, on, they're a 23.5 win efficiency team on the road they are 4 and 10 overall. Um they're ninth offensively on the road, so they're actually better on the road, but then they're dead last 30th defensively on the road in terms of their ranking. So again, um you know, this is a the the, the early data is showing us that that this is a more confident, confident comfortable team when they're in the AT&T Center compared to when they go on the road, something that, that I've kind of talked about a lot on this podcast in the last few weeks as as we've seen the Spurs this season continue to spiral downward. Um, so something that the Spurs can look forward to, and really I think it's going to be more of a, of a um, evaluation on them is going to be this month of December. You know, this is going to be a very home heavy month where they're going to have um, you know six games in a row coming up, starting on Friday against the Lakers. They're going to have six straight games in the AT and T Center. They're going to play the Lakers, the Jazz, the Suns, the Clippers, the Bulls, and uh, Philly. So they're going to have some good teams. They're going to have some OK teams, and they're going to have um, you know s- some record wise some bad teams. So that, so this is a really an opportunity where we're we we're, we're we're gonna be able to see you know just what kind of Spurs team is this? Are they gonna be able to take advantage of being at home in the AT&T Center for six straight games, or are they gonna continue to struggle even in their own building? And then that's gonna paint an even uh, even a more detailed picture of exactly what kind of road they're headed toward. Um, something else to consider, you know, during this month of December, they're gonna have ten, ten um, total home games. They've already played one, which is that Portland game with, that they did win. Um, in December, so I really feel like this is kind of almost like a make or break month. And what I mean by that is, you know, let's say that December gets here, December 31st, and they're kind of still, you know, whether they're in the playoff picture or they're maybe two or three games out of it, then I think that they're going to continue staying toward that competitive um path, you know, going into January and then into February, trying to continue to make the playoffs. But what if this just isn't a very successful month? What if it's like November where they just really struggle a lot, even in their own building for the majority of their games, then I really think that they need to look at what kind of, um, path are they going to go down uh in terms of their team are they going to uh have a two-year plan like Colin Reed and I talked about last time where maybe they're just going to try to keep the squad intact, try to upgrade it over the offseason with the majority of the players back, and then adding a healthy DeJounte Murray, so so maybe it's a two-year plan, or do they really look at at making some huge um, trade offers, I mean trade scenarios, and, you know, look at maybe, uh, uh, you know, going toward a younger route where they want to maybe build a team around Derek White and Lonnie Walker and Shemezi and some of these younger guys, and 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 Dejounte and maybe looking at at starting to to to, to um, trade some of their, their their core veteran guys right now, uh, if the, if that's the plan. So again, we don't know what kind of plan they have, and I really think that December could be a make or break month for the Spurs. Um, where where by the end of the month, if they're if they're basically not in that playoff picture anymore, where they're like over five games out of the eighth seed, maybe they really do need to look at at making some drastic changes. Or if they're just you know right there, maybe they can continue to to stay on that competitive edge, heading trying to make the playoffs. Uh, one more final note that I've kind of indicated is, um, you know, they haven't won, cons- this is something that, that I'm just not used to seeing with the Spurs is they haven't won consecutive games, so two games in a row, in over a month now. The last time they did it was November 3rd. Um, so it's been over a month now that the Spurs have won, that ha- that they have not won uh, back-to-back games. And so, so, again, that just shows you, again, that they've just been struggling mightily. November, again, was their toughest month by record. Um, in terms of their their amount of of road games and their amount of back to back, so we'll see if they can turn it around here and uh, as they they they, they um, stay home at the AT and T Center for majority of their games in December. Okay, the last segment. I just want to go through and uh, preview the upcoming games for the Spurs. Um, there will be only three games before I, I'm able to record a podcast next week. So um, let's just go through some of the data and then kind of I'll give my my uh, predictions of. Uh, what I think the Spurs, what will happen with the Spurs. So um, like I mentioned, the Spurs are seven and four at home. They're on they're, They play like a 37.9 win team. Uh, they're 18th offensively at home and 21st defensively. So Friday night, the Spurs are hosting the Lakers for the final time of the season. The Lakers are five and five on the road, uh, playing like a 41.2 win team on the road. They're 12th offensively on the road and 10th defensively. Now, um, Vegas already has the early projections out. I mean, the early, um, the bet- betting odds out. And so, uh, the, the Spurs are favored by one, 1.5, one, one and a half points. Should I say one and a half points? The Spurs are a favorite. So for some reason it, on paper, it doesn't look like the Spurs should be able to compete with the Lakers, but they do. I mean, they just feel, it just looks like they're comfortable playing the Lakers. They have two wins against them already. Um, you know, they almost won that game on on Wednesday night in L.A. on the second night of a back-to-back. So for some reason, this Spurs team matches up well with the Lakers. And one thing I looked at was, um, you know, I wanted to see, in terms of frequency, what are the Lakers' top 10 in on offense? And the only thing they are top 10 in in frequency is... Uh, is, is shots at the rim, frequency at the rim of attempts. So, so really, because the Lakers aren't a high-volume three-point shooting team like some of the other teams that the Spurs really struggle with, I feel like San Antonio's, um, you know, as, as bad as their defense is, it has a chance against the Lakers, and that's why we've seen them win two games plus almost win that third game. So in this game on Friday night, I'm going to go ahead and take the Spurs, and I'm going to say that the Spurs win this game um, at home in their finale against LeBron and the Lakers. Then on Sunday, the Spurs host the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are 9-7 on the road, playing like a 47-win team when they're on the road. They are 20th offensively on the road and 2nd defensively. So they're just a monster defensively when they when they visit other teams' arenas. Now, um, I looked at the offensive stats. Again, the the, the frequency. Um, top 10, the Jazz are top 10 in rim attempts. They are 11th in three-point attempts in terms of accuracy. And also, they're 3rd they're in free throw rates. So they do get to the free throw line. So... I really feel that this is a team that does that. That you know, they play more of the modern type game. Um, in terms of especially getting getting a frequency of their three point shots, they're not a very accurate team. But as we saw um, on Tuesday, they can't hit them as they did against the Spurs. So I'm going to go ahead and take Utah in this one. And again, their their record, you know, even the statistics all show that they're a really good um, road team. So I'm going to go ahead and take Utah on Sunday in in San Antonio at the AT&T Center. And then lastly, on Tuesday, the Spurs host the Phoenix Suns. the Suns are are not good on the road. They are one and eleven. They're on, you know, they're play with the efficiency of an eleven win team when they go on the road. They're twenty eighth offensively. They're twenty seventh defensively on the road. Um, they have no top ten frequency stats um, on offense at all. So I really don't think they're going to give the Spurs any trouble. Now, again, Phoenix did beat San Antonio one time in in Phoenix, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and give the Spurs this win as well. So I think that San Antonio will go two and one in their uh, next three games, uh, you know, all home games, again, it's a six game home stretch. And then from there I'll evaluate, uh, you know, we'll do another prediction next week with whoever my guest is on that episode. So if you want to kind of participate in like in a little Twitter poll, I have one up on my, on my, um, my Twitter handle at Paul Garcia, where you can kind of vote um, to see where, uh, where, where you think the Spurs will finish in these next three games. And the, you know, the results are there in multiple choice format. Um, and then of course I've been putting on Twitter lately, those results once the, once the games have concluded, um so yeah, so so that's that pretty much um wraps up the content or the or the, the main topics for Spurs cast episode five hundred and twenty, just a few other reminders of some of the stuff going on at Projectspurs.com. Um Colin Reed had a recent piece called The Spurs' Defensive Rebounding Issues. So he goes over some some of the, the rebounding issues that the Spurs have been enduring now that DeJounte Murray's out for the year. Um continue to check Steven Anderson's workout where he's recapping each game obviously the, the game the the um recaps haven't been very positive for the Spurs because again they haven't been winning a lot of basketball games they've been losing more often uh Tom Petrini has a, has a, a feature um called Lonnie Walker the 4th cleared for takeoff where Tom's been able to go cover the Austin Spurs over in Austin as Lonnie makes his his first um you know transition toward the NBA by by playing in the G League for for um first before he takes off into the um, before the Spurs call him up uh, to play in San Antonio, so Tom has a has a really good feature from Lonnie right there. A lot of good direct quotes that that, that um, Tom got in that feature. Uh, because again, the, the draft is kind of on, you know the Spurs could have two top uh, first round picks in the draft. Um, ben Bornstein's continuing to monitor the draft, so he's uh, he has his latest prospect watch out on Eric Holman, a six ten big from Mississippi State. So again, Ben Bornstein's keeping you um, informed on the draft. And then on Monday, I released a piece called "Derozan's Points, Assists, and Rebounds Through 23 Games," um, and it was just kind of looking at how Derozan's in the, in the company of players like LeBron James, um, uh, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's he's in the he's in the presence right now, statistically, of a lot of guys that have won MVPs or, or might win MVPs in the future, and obviously the big difference between DeRozan and a lot of these players is that DeRozan right now on his team doesn't have the winning record. He's not on a playoff team right now. So if the Spurs, you know, statistically he's having a really good season, one of the best of his career. So if the Spurs can get on the winning track, get him in the the top eight of the playoffs, you know, he could be one of those candidates who who gets his name mentioned for the all-star team, for the all-NBA type teams. And, And obviously, you know, he's putting up stats similar to some, some MVP type players. So, so DeRozan's having a really good individual season, but, you know, the Spurs as a whole aren't going to gonna help him get any kind of accolades if they don't make the playoffs or, or start um, winning more basketball games. So, again, that's what, kind of what that piece is all about. Um, Cod DeRozan's points, assists, and rebounds to 23 games. Um, lastly, if, if you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating or interview. review. Um, thank you. Have a great day.